Um, our reading tonight is from uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 to 11, which you'll find on page uh, 1220. So that's 1 Peter chapter 4, and we'll read verse 7 to 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. reading for us. Um, these, these four, if you've been around, you'll know that these uh, four Sundays, uh, the beginning of the kind of academic year, um, we have often used um, kind of as a sort of laying foundations time. Um, seems a good period in the year to be doing that. And so often um, these four Sundays uh, sort of through September, uh, we've, had a, we've had the same um, passage morning and evening um, as we focused on something that we think is, is so essential. We want, as it were, everyone across the church family to be thinking through these things. Um, and what we want to focus in on um, for these four Sundays um, is the issue of stewardship, um, how we steward uh, or take good care uh, of uh, those things that the Lord uh, entrusts to us. Um, and that's going to be our topic. Um, you, you see from Program Card, we're going to be thinking about um, how we can be good stewards of, of, our, um, of our homes um, and our relationships, how we can be good stewards of our possessions, uh, good stewards of our time. Um, and we're going to uh, think about all of those kind of things uh, over these coming uh, few weeks. Uh, this morning, um, as we tackled that topic Um, we did so in the context of an all-age service, rather different from this evening. Um, uh, uh, But I I thought I wouldn't wouldn't sort of deny you some of the strangeness of this morning. Uh, You know, throw up the the, the slides for me. Um, So uh, this morning we we were uh, making good use of a game that some of you will have come across. Uh, Come across Mousetrap? Yeah, yeah, a good number, good number. it, it is the most peculiar game. Now, if you, if you do know Mousetrap and if you weren't here this morning, I mean, or, or even if you, I mean, you might puzzle through, what could possibly be the connection between the game Mousetrap and 1 Peter chapter 4? I mean, it'd be an interesting thing to explore, wouldn't it? Um, and it struck me that, that it could be, um, is it that, church takes something that is fundamentally very simple and makes it enormously complicated. Um, that, that could be one connection, couldn't it? Or a ministry trainee perspective would be, here is something, church, that takes an enormously long time to step up, set up, 
Um, and then having set it all up, you really wonder whether it was worth it. Um, so, so, uh, but enough of that kind of cynicism. Um, what is the link? Well, the link that I was trying to make this morning um, was to say that when you put the game together, um, and uh, if you know the game, it, it's full of lots of sort of peculiar things that interlink, um, and eventually um, a mechanism um, takes from one side of the board to the other um, a, a sort of a cascade of movement that finally means that the mouse gets trapped. Every single bit is needed was the point that we were thinking about this morning. Um, every part necessary if the thing is going to function. Um, and in a similar way, God makes clear in his word that when it comes to church, um, there are no redundant bits, uh, if you like. Um, it's clear that um, God intends every part to be put uh, to use. Um, well, this evening we're going to tackle um, 1 Peter chapter 4 in a slightly different way. Um, and uh, I'm going to do so um, by thinking through um, both the gifts that God gives um, and the way in which those uh, gifts, what is to be done with those gifts. And I've got three brief headings under each of, of those um, uh, highlights. The verse that we were particularly focusing on this morning, and again we'll focus on this evening, is this one. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So first, three things about uh, those gifts. First observation um, is to notice that this passage tells us that the gifts are given by God. Uh, pretty clear that, that what defines a gift is that it is given to you. Um, and uh, we see in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, that the gift is something that we receive. And specifically, they are a demonstration of God's grace. It is his grace to us uh, that grants us uh, the gift. Um, now, what are these gifts? There's a bit of a debate um, about whether the gifts that Paul has in mind here um, in verse 10 um, are specifically spiritual gifts, uh, what are sometimes identified as the charismata, um, of the New Testament, or whether they are just natural um, abilities and talents. I'm not sure it makes any difference. Actually, I'm not sure even that the distinction between those two categories is a terribly helpful one, is it? Because even those things that are, in quotes, natural, are finally gifts from the Lord, aren't they? Everything that we have derives from him because he creates everything. He creates each one of us with all of our gifts. And whether you call them a natural gift or, or some sort of special spiritual gift, it still finally comes from him. All our abilities, all our talents, all our possessions, they are all gifts from him that he entrusts. Even you might say to yourself, well, hang on a minute. Um, I mean, I work hard for my money and my possessions. 
Uh, and the reason I've got a car and a home is because I go out to work every day. You know, that, 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 that's, God didn't give me that. I worked for it. But God gave you the brain or the arms or the body that is able to do the work that earns you a salary, that enables you to have those things. Everything finally comes uh, from him. We belong to God, and everything that we have is from him. Now, one of the things that that means is, because all that we have is from God, there's no place for pride and no place for jealousy. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 puts it like this. What do you have that you didn't receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not? There shouldn't be any place in the Christian church, if we've, we've understood this, that what we have is a gift from the Lord. There shouldn't be any sense of, of some people feeling proud and superior, as if they're much better because they've got these particular talents or this particular gift. It's a gift. Why do you boast? You just received it. Nothing to boast about. It's a bit like a race where you get given the rosette before the race has even begun. Hard to feel as though I'm terribly clever. You just got the rosette pinned on you even before you'd done any racing. Uh, It's rather like that uh, when we receive these gifts uh, from the Lord. So first... uh, these gifts that we're thinking about here are given by God. Secondly, they vary from person to person. We see that at the end of verse 10. That this grace is given by God in various forms. Each one receives something different. Our talents vary. Our abilities vary. But each one is needed the whole range of gifting that God gives to a particular church family, all of it necessary. That was the point I was making with the mousetrap game. Even the tiny little bit of plastic didn't seem very significant. Mousetrap doesn't work without it. It has to be part of the mechanism. Well, church is something like that. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul uses the image of a body to make precisely that point. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And the implication of that is profound. It means that every part has as much a a right and and a place within the church family as every other part. Paul goes on to, to point out, verse 15, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part uh, of the body. Just because you feel as though the gift I've got isn't very important. I'm I'm just a foot. Everybody stands on me. It's a bit depressing being a foot. I don't feel very significant. Wish it was an eye. Eyes eyes are cool. They, They do really good stuff. I just down there at the bottom. But, but even if you got to think like that, you wouldn't for that reason stop being a part of the body. The, 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 the foot can't sort of dislocate itself. I don't belong anymore because I'm just not important enough. That's a part of the body, however important it sees itself to be. So you don't disqualify yourself because you don't think your gift's good enough. 
And similarly, also in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, you don't disqualify others because you, don't, because you feel superior to them. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, uh, those parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honourable we treat with special honour. So the gifts we're talking about here are given by God. They vary uh, from person to person. Um, and they are finally granted to each one of us. If you're a Christian believer, then God has gifted you. Peter says here, uh, each one should use whatever gift he's received from the Lord. So each one has been granted a gift from God. Not saying... Uh, if you happen to be someone who has a gift, then you should use it. Peter's saying, each one of you does have a gift. It's not as though we've got half of the church that are gifted, uh, and they're going to do all the, all, all the business, uh, and there's the other half of the church, the rest of us are not really gifted, um, and uh, we'll just have things done to us. It's not Peter's point. Each one of you is gifted. Christian believer, God has gifted you with a gift, or several, that he intends for you to be using uh, within the church family. Uh, which moves us on to our second point. Uh, having identified uh, the nature of these gifts, um, then what are we to do with them? And the first thing to say is that they must be used. Verse 10 Again, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. The point clearly is that these gifts are not to be stowed away, tucked away and kept. Um, you remember the parable um, that Jesus told uh, of um, the master who goes away on a journey. You remember that parable? And he entrusts um, talents, um, sums of money. Um, to various servants. And it varies. Some of the servants have quite a lot, some of the servants have less, some have very little. Um, but, but when the master comes back, he, he approaches the servants and, and wants to know what they've all done. And the one who had ten brings the ten and ten more that he's earned. Um, and the one who had five brings five and five more that he's earned. And then you remember the punchline of the, of the parable. Um, where one servant has been given a single talent. And he says, I, I, I knew you were a hard man, reaped where you didn't sow. So I took the talent and buried it in the ground to keep it safe. And now I've dug it up and given it back to you. So you've got what you gave me. We're quits. Do you remember how Jesus responds? Oh, how the master Jesus describes the master responding to that moment. You wicked and lazy servant. You wicked and lazy servant. Why? Because you didn't put the talent, you didn't put the gift I'd given you to use. Wicked, lazy. It's 
harsh words in the parable for the failure to use the gifts that the servant had been entrusted with. Must be used and must be used in service. In other words, there's a community aspect uh, to these gifts. It's not, not kind of an individual thing where I just go off into my corner and I use my gift kind of all on my own, just in the way that you know, I'm interested in. No, there's a sense that this is something that happens in community with others because the purpose of my gift and the way in which I should use my gift should be in service. And I guess that could either be service within the church... Um, serving other members of the body of Christ. But, but I think it wouldn't be unreasonable to imagine that that might also flow outwards uh, and might involve serving the non-Christian community around the church as well, um, demonstrating Christ-like love uh, as we seek to be salt and light uh, in the community in which God uh, has placed us. Uh, but it must be me using my gift for others, not me using my gift for myself. That's the key aspect here, isn't it? Um, imagine um, parents of some teenage children. Um, and imagine that um, they go away for a week's holiday. Um, and for some reason, uh, they conclude that it would be a good plan for the teenage children to stay at home and look after themselves while they're away. I can't imagine why you would do that, but nevertheless, let's imagine. Um, and imagine that the parents um, give to the eldest teenage boy um, uh, I don't know, 100 quid, 150 quid, um, 100 quid, um, to, to buy food, you know, to buy food and look after the family for the week, look after the other, you know, his, his siblings for the week. Uh, and off the parents go. And they come back a week later and they arrive home um, and uh, they find all of the older brother's siblings um, all looking very thin and very hungry, um, sort of meandering around the house downstairs. And then they go upstairs um, and uh, they go into the older boy's bedroom uh, where they find um, the last of a very large pile of Domino pizza boxes um, being consumed. Well, the pizza, not the box. Um, and... Uh, and the latest high-tech video game being played. Now, how does that go? I mean, he's used the gift he was given, hasn't he? Can't argue with that. He's used the hundred pounds. It's all gone. But just used it for himself. Just used it for things that he wanted. No sense of serving others uh, with the gift that he's been entrusted with. So yes, we must use the gift, but, but we must use the gift in service. Be prepared to, uh, to make sure that we are ready to use our gift. Um, so it won't do to say, will it? Oh, well, I know I'm musical, but do you know, I don't much like performing up front. See, who are you serving then? Serving yourself, actually, aren't you? Yeah, I don't like performing much up front. Not particularly interested on whether or not other people find it encouraging that I play up front. No, it's just about me. You ought to be careful if you find yourself thinking that way, shouldn't you? I've got this gift, but I don't much like it. Or, or, or maybe 
Uh, I know I lead Bible studies well, but I do find that the preparing my Bible studies is quite anxiety provoking and I don't like sort of I don't like the stress of it really. So I'd rather not be a Bible study leader in Tuesday Central this year. You've got to be careful if that's your mindset, shouldn't you? If God's given you a gift to be able to lead a Bible study, but I'm not prepared to serve others with it because I'm more interested in serving myself, my own comfort, my own dislike of feeling um, uh, embarrassed at being up front, whatever it might be. We've got to be careful that we're not serving ourselves uh, instead of using our gift uh, to serve others. So we should use our gifts, we should use them in service, and we should use them in service for the glory of God. Which means that we won't aim to take our gift um, and use it in, in a way that, that draws attention to me. But I'll be looking for, always looking for ways in which I can ensure that in the use of the gift that God has entrusted me, I'm, I'm throwing attention upon him. Now, what that might mean. Um, suppose a preacher gives a talk and someone tells them how marvellous it was. Well, whatever the preacher says next pretty much determines where the glory goes, doesn't it? Whether they think that they deserve the honour and the praise for the way that they preached. Or whether they point away from themselves and to the Lord God. So you might say that, well, if there was anything useful in that talk, that was down to God. It's the same in every other bit of church life, actually. Someone says, you help really well in Christ, you're brilliant with children. Next thing you say determines where the glory goes. You administer things really well. You're a great organiser. Church welcoming rotor has never been in such great shape. Next thing you say determines where the glory goes. You do tech great. Thanks for helping sort out that funny camera that we're using now. Uh, it's brilliant how you can do that. You're superb at that. Next words out of your mouth determine where the glory goes. If I think that my gifts are all about me, then I will puff myself up and I'll end up taking the glory to myself. But what verse 11 tells us is that if I remember that what I have is a gift, then when I speak... I would speak as one who speaks the very words of God. Is anything good in that sermon? It was God who put it there. And verse, end of verse 11, if anyone serves, they should do with the, so with the strength that God provides. So that, end of that verse, the glory might come to God.
which is why our little section ends as it does with that accent on to him be the glory and the power forever and ever Um, let me wrap up with three practicalities if I may Um, three um, uh, three questions that I'd like to pose and uh, at least suggest the beginning of an answer to Um, first question um, what if I don't know what my gifts are what if it's not clear to me you just told me that I'm a Christian believer. God has granted me gifts, at least a gift, maybe several. Uh, what if I don't know what they are? Um, well, I think my answer to this question would be um, ask. God puts us in community for a purpose. Often other people are much better at seeing what we do well than we are. We just do something and, you know, we just... We just have always found ourselves able to do that. It's never felt difficult. And we don't think it's any great shakes because we've always been able to do it. But other people may be able to say, you do that brilliantly. I don't think you quite realize what a gift that is to others, that you seem to be able to do that with such ease um, and so helpfully. Um, So ask. Ask other people. Ask friends. Ask people who are in a small group with you. Um... Um, ask people in in leadership Um, if you're not sure what your gifts are ask, find out talk to people or if you're not sure what your gift is just get on and start doing something is that often the way? often you discover what you're gifted at by beginning to do it and you think, blow me, I can do this it's hard to be sure that you are I know, to take a silly example, it's hard to to know that you're very good at playing the guitar if you just look at a guitar and think, I wonder. You're only going to find out if you can play a guitar by picking it up and giving it a go, aren't you? And the same thing applies in so many areas of church life. I wonder if I would be any good in Sunday club, looking after little children. They look tricky. (laughs) Don't know. Well, I mean, the only way of finding out would be to get alongside the little children and give it a go. And somebody might say, do you know, you are a natural at this. You do this brilliantly. Kids really warm to you. You should do more of this. So, you know, sure what your gifts are, ask. Um, or just get underway and try something. Um, second question. What if I can't find a context where my gifts can be used? But I feel pretty clear. Um, particular areas where I've been gifted in. Um, but you, you just don't seem to have a context in which those gifts can be used. Well, again, first up, ask. Talk to others in the church family um, about ways in which you might be able to to, to get involved. Um, There might be ministries that you're just unaware of that will be crying out for the particular gifts that God has given you. Um, And you just need to discover that they are to be able to be involved. Um, or, Or perhaps there's some area of service outside the church family Um, in which God would have you use your gifts. And again, by talking to others, you might discover uh, something of that. Um, And then maybe, can can I also say this? Um, Remember that there may be times um, in the life of the the church, uh, uh, times in the life of Christ's church, um, where the service you need to do is not precisely your sweet spot, if I can put it like that. Could, could be. 
Um, suppose you have a major gift in music and a minor gift in admin. Now, just because you've, you've taken piano to grade 92 or whatever it is, you know, it doesn't mean that you should spend the rest of your life stood next to the keyboard over there saying, why won't anyone let me play the keyboard? Well, because we've got loads of really good keyboard players at the moment, and actually there isn't a gap on the rotor. But, but you spend all your time stood next to the keyboard gazing at it, thinking, well, I've got grade 92 piano, let me on it. Um, and you're blind to the fact that actually we're desperate for somebody to do some admin, to sort out um, an area of ministry uh, that is in desperate need, and that you could do perfectly well. But it's not your sweetest spot, but you could do it. You are gifted. Do you see what I mean? So, so there'll be times in the season of the life of a church where maybe the thing that you're particularly brilliant at isn't needed for whatever reason. And something that you're slightly less gifted at, but still can do, is needed. And you should be ready for that too. Um, third question. Uh, it's the funniest question of all. Are you sharpening or blurring the image of Christ? Uh, what on earth do I mean by that? Um, in the use of your gift, are you sharpening or blurring the image of Christ? Um, the, the, the funniest thing we did this morning in the All Age service, and those of you, those of you here uh, will know about that, is that um, we, we had all the people in the central um, chairs uh, were given a, a, a piece of A3 paper um, like this, um, which had sort of blurry image on it, which really did not look of any great significance. Um, and uh, what we did was we got everybody to, to hold their bit of paper like that. Um, and uh, there, there is a camera at the back now so that people can see things in all those services when they're behind pillars or whatever. Um, and we got everyone to turn around and hold their bit of paper like that, um, all next to each other, you know, like they do at the football matches um, with the things in the crowd. And instantly, uh, up on the screen, that image beamed out. Actually, no, it didn't. Um, <laughs> It was a nice idea, but it didn't actually work. Um, uh, it's sort of, we just had a lot of blurry bits of paper, really, gathered together in the church. But the point was um, that actually, in order to make that image clear, we needed all of the bits of paper. And they all needed to be sort of put to use together uh, in order to create the image. Now, of course, you know what it's like. If, if you've got lots of bits of paper with lots of sort of fudgy things on them, um, 10 or 20 people could have sat down and not wanted to, to get involved, and, and the image maybe still could have been visible. Um, but the more people who were a part of using what they'd been given, that bit of paper, the clearer the image would have become. Maybe you see the analogy. The more that, the more people in Christchurch who take and use the gifts that they have been given in service of others to the glory of God, the more the image of Christ will become clear among us. Because that's what he's called us to be. He's called us to be the body of Christ on earth. In an extraordinary way, God has chosen that in order for people to encounter Jesus, they do it with the church. 
It's an extraordinary thing that God has blessed us with. We are to be the body of Christ on earth. And we do that when we love one another, when we serve one another in imitation of Jesus. And if only 40 or 50% of us are doing it, then Christ is still reflected. But the more of us that take and use the gifts that God has entrusted to us and use them for his glory in serving others in imitation of Jesus, the more sharp the image of Christ amongst us becomes and the more we fulfill the purpose that God intends for us. Uh, Why don't I lead us in a prayer um, that God will kindly and graciously um, enable us to fulfill his good purposes uh, for us. Uh, Father God, it is um, a great uh, blessing to us. Um, We're thinking this morning that that image of Kitchener had a phrase alongside it, your country needs you. Uh, Well, you don't need us. Uh, You are mighty. Uh, and you will fulfill uh, your good purposes uh, to establish the kingdom of Christ. Uh, But in your grace, you have chosen uh, to take uh, and use us as servants in your kingdom uh, to to give us uh, the the great honor uh, to serve Christ our Lord. And you have given us gifts Uh, that we might be effective servants. Uh, Father God, whether this uh, is our church family or whether we're just visiting tonight and we're heading back home uh, to uh, another church family in the coming days, uh, Father, grant that you would uh, encourage us uh, to know what our gifts are uh, and to take and use them in service of others to your glory. Uh, Renew our enthusiasm uh, for... Uh, that uh, great endeavor, uh, renew our enthusiasm uh, for church, uh, for being part of the body of Christ, uh, that we might be faithful stewards uh, of the gifts that you have given us. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.